Tyler. Yes, yes. The Golden Globes happened. Did they? Yeah. And I was actually going to watch them because I wanted to see this online train wreck. But I totally forgot about it until I saw the news the next day. Uh, I had no intentions of watching them at all, but I heard that this is like the lowest ratings they've ever had in like 50 years or something. Oh, well, yeah, it makes sense because like everything was virtual. So like you're probably dealing with like people's video feeds, like cutting in and out on like shitty laptop audio. Like that's why I kind of wanted to watch it just to see the fucking beautiful mess it would have been. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. Well, let's go through some of this, because there's some that I've never heard of, never seen, probably never will, don't care. Yeah. But there are a few that won that I was honestly slightly hopeful that they would win, but absolutely surprised that they did. Yeah. So, best picture drama, I thought either the Chicago 7 or Mank would have taken that, and I had never heard of No Man Land. Yeah, no, me neither. So that one was kind of it. But here's one of the ones that I think you're you're talking about. Uh, Best fucking... picture music comedy? Yeah. Yeah, I totally thought without a doubt that Hamilton was going to fucking win because it's Hamilton. Yeah. But just super beyond the moon pumped for Satya Baron Cohen that it was Borat that one. Yeah, no shit. Like... And fucking shout out to Amazon for making a Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah, I I didn't think they would give it to him at all, but no, I, I like not in a million years. Like, like even when it was nominated, I was yeah. like, why even bother? Like, you know, yeah. you're not going to give him any serious consideration for like if he was in like if he was going to win anything, it would have been he was in the trial of the Chicago Seven. Like, I was thinking like, oh, he'll yeah. he'll win something in that, but like they're never going to give an award to Borat, mm-hmm. but they totally fucking did. Which, hey, that's rad. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, that's super surprising. Um, but rad, like, good for them. Uh, best actress motion picture drama: Andra Day for United States versus Billie Holiday. Never seen or heard of that one either. No, me neither. I actually don't really recognize anything in that category. No. Best action motion picture drama was Chadwick Boseman for Mr. Rainey's Black Bottom. Also, yep. never heard of that. No. I Like, I heard that he did really good in it. I mean, it was his last movie. Um, but, yeah, I never checked it out. No, I, I like Chadwick Boseman, and the things I've seen him in outside of Black Panther, I've enjoyed him in. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I also wonder is if this was, like, a motivated vote. Could have been. Yeah. Kudos and good for him nonetheless. I don't know if I ever who I would have like picked. Like I again would have thought probably Mank would have fucking pulled some victories there, but yeah, or someone from the uh, trial, the Chicago Seven, because that mm-hmm. had a really good cast, right? And then Best Actress, Motion Picture. I don't really recognize any of these. No, again, like I, I guess I'm just super out of touch. Although, like. Did they was Anya Taylor Joy in that category for the Queen's Gambit or was that another no, one? Emma? Okay. Which I think she did win one for M or for Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I think so too. 
and then fucking Borat, also winning Best Actor. Which, again, just wild. Like, I didn't see the prom winning. I thought Hamilton yeah. could have been a contender. And secretly, I was hoping that if it wasn't Satra, it was Andy Samberg, because I did enjoy Palm Springs. Right. But all of that was surprising, nonetheless. Yeah. Like, I just, like, scrolling down so far, like, I thought Mank would have been sweeping these, given all the praise it it had and, like, the star-studded cast. But, like, I mean, so far, nothing. I mean, Jodie Foster won for the Muritanian. Yeah, which, I mean, it's Jodie Foster. She's great. Daniel Coulet won for Judas and the Black Messiah, which I heard that was a good one. Yeah, I heard that, too. But... I never saw On the Rocks, One Night in Miami. I still haven't even seen Trial of the Chicago 7. So, But a good thing Jared Leto didn't win for The Little Things because that movie was not that great. Yeah. And and then, best director is that Nomad Land one, which I, I didn't see that one. Yeah, I've, I've never even heard of Nomad. So, kind of want to see what the plot of that is. Maybe I should watch it. What is it? It's like... Well, after losing everything in in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's award potential there. Yeah, I can see that. I know that reminds me of uh, when uh, Reese Witherspoon did that uh, wild movie. Oh yeah, kind of similar story like that. Which I watched that movie and it was amazing. So if it's kind of something like that, Mm -hmm. I'll probably check out check out that movie. Now let me know how it is. I'll wait for your judgment. Fair enough. Aaron Sorkin picking up best screenplay for Chicago Seven, which I think that's that was probably the easiest one to tell because I mean he's been winning awards for screenplays for years. So yeah, um, that one seems like a block. Soul won Best Animated Picture, yeah, which that was that was a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy for that. Best I, foreign language film, Minari. Okay, well I wouldn't know any of these because I don't no. typically watch foreign films. So me neither. Best score, your boy Trent Reznor. Fuck yeah! Knock another one up for fucking Reznor. Yep. The guy's a he's a musical fucking genius, man. Yeah, he's really good. Like, he's, like, won everything. Yeah. And he does. His scores are so good. And, like, I have no interest in seeing Soul, but part of me wants to watch Soul just to hear his fucking score. If you like those Pixar movies, it's pretty solid. I don't care for Pixar movies at all. Okay, so then, yeah. Not even a little bit. But yeah. his music, like, I sometimes the, the soundtrack to uh, The Social Network. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just listen to that soundtrack. Like, it's just, it's so yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. I'll just find the Soul soundtrack on Spotify. I'll probably end up doing that. Yeah. Uh, here's one I'm really excited for: best drama series, The Crown. Fuck yeah! Ooh. Yeah. It deserved. It deserves that win. It was good. Lindsay's into it now. Beautiful. That means you're she... gonna have to watch it. Nope. <laughs> you're just she, like I'm gonna nope out of that one that's exactly how it's been going down yeah I think she's in the second season now awesome 
Look at you. I, I was like, oh, just wait till I tell Ben that you're watching this. It's like, why? I'm like, he fucking loves that show. It's true. Just, just wait. Wait until she, uh, she finds Downton Abbey. I'm not even going to say a word about that. Don't need more of this old British crap running through the house. Give it, give it all to me. Uh, Shit's Creek, best comedy series. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it is good now that I'm watching it. So, and like looking at what it was up against, like I don't know that any of the other ones had any contest against. Well, I've heard I've heard good things about Ted Lasso, so I mean I don't know definitively. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched it yet, but I've heard good things. So, yeah. so so it says best television motion picture Queen Gambit, but I I thought she won one on herself. Maybe that's further down. Oh, yes. oh yeah, best actress for a television motion picture. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. She was amazing in that show. Yeah, good for her. Good like she, for her. She knocked it out of the park in that show. Yeah, and that show was actually really good too so i'm i think she's got a really bright future Mm -hmm. which makes me happy because like i think we talked about it when i was talking about that original uh queen's gambit show a few weeks ago but like before this you didn't really see her in much right yeah and then for her to kind of get like a nice serious leading show and knock it out of the park is awesome And Mark Ruffalo pulling in a win. Yeah, I have no idea what that is, but I know this much is true. Yeah. I've actually heard of that, but only just because it has Mark Ruffalo in it. But yeah. Again, couldn't comment either way. For best television actress drama, I honestly was kind of hoping that Ozark scooped a win there, but see, it's your stupid crown again. I know, it's amazing. Oh, Sarah Paulson for Ratchet was in there. I actually would have been alright seeing her win that too. And I've I've yet to actually watch Ratchet. So. It's, it's it's good. It's uh like it's a really good kind of like thriller esque thing. It's cool. Hmm. And then Yeah, my show The Crown, picking up another one for best T V actor drama series. Which is bullshit. Everyone knows it should have been Jason Bateman for fucking Ozark. And I honestly, even though I don't watch it, would have been okay with Odenkirk with, for Better Call Saul. But Yeah, like as much as I love The Crown, um, Bob Odenkirk should have won this. He is amazing in that show. But also, that guy was also really good in The Crown. That's actually a tough category now that I'm looking at that. Yeah, there's a lot of competition there. Like, that's a tight race. Like, when you think... Like, I know you don't give a fuck about The Crown, but... Like, he was really good, so he's a contender. And, like you said, Bateman and Bob Odenkirk. Even Al Pacino and Hunters. Like, yeah. So, like, well, that's... Top-tier talent. It's a stacked category. And then... Another Shit's Creek win for Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Her character. Oh, my God. The way she talks in that show. Oof. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's uh, that Ted Lasso. Yeah. Picking it up for best TV actor music comedy series. Best supporting another one for the crown, which is Hell a shame. Yeah. Julia Garner, man. She I, I think she's so underrated. Yes, I would have been alright if she took that. I want to say, didn't she win one? I thought she won an award for her character in Ozark. 
I thought she won like a daytime Emmy or something. Or maybe did she win like the Golden Globe last year? Oh, maybe that's what it was. Uh, oh, yeah, it was the primetime Emmy. She's yeah. won toys. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're thinking of. Yeah, I would have been actually all right if she won that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think, like, I mean, I never saw a small axe. I know John Boyega is a good actor, but yeah. Daniel Levy in Schitt's Creek, his character is, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And the work that he puts into that show, because he writes and he helps direct and he oh, produced. He? And, oh, yeah. Like, him and his dad created and did that whole show together. Oh, okay. Like, it's a father-son, like, let's work together project. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh... That's the Golden Globes. Yeah. I'm I'm glad the crown just like swept through and picked up a bunch. That makes me happy. I'm happy that Borat ended up scoring fucking two. Yeah. I, the, like I didn't think it was going to get any. I couldn't even believe it was nominated because I was like, people don't like this. No. Let alone like the the voters, you know, for these things probably, you know, typically would not have done that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so to see it actually go on was a nice pleasant surprise. And most pleasant of all is to see how much of the nominees and the people who won awards were coming from content that was made by stream streaming companies and not your typical. Yeah. But this was also like the weird year too, right? Where it was like, what was actually not, you know, streaming, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what was coming out that wasn't, you know. Well, that's why I'm pandy, curious but- to see see how things go in the next two years maybe not this year but the one after yeah honestly like i could see this this kind of core stain you know just how good the streaming stuff has been well it just go ahead um like just the quality just keeps getting better and better right yeah that's and that's what i was gonna say like there's no arguing that what's coming to streaming platforms isn't top-notch yeah, like I, I, you know, in the beginning, the argument was like, oh, there's just so much trash, right? And it's like there was, but like over the past few years, you've seen it, you know, get to a point now where it's like the best stuff is on streaming, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, that's the Golden Globes for you folks. Yes, yes. No need to even watch it. Yeah. Like most people who didn't. Yeah, pretty much. What was the actual viewers? I'm curious. For some reason, 6.8 million is popping into my head. Oh, that's low. Viewers. Oh, yeah, the headline is tumbles to an all-time 62% decline. So how many viewers? Um... Oh, yeah, 6.9. It's like they're saying average. Damn, I was close. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I wonder when, how long are these award shows going to still be alive? I think they're, well, they've obviously become less and less relevant. Yeah. I don't think they'll ever necessarily die, but I think the format and the way that they're going to go about them is going to change drastically. I don't see them gaining any headway until they change the way 
like the the winners and stuff are picked. Yeah. Like it should almost be like a combination of like panelists who's their vote count for a certain percentage, but then you open it up to like full blown industry people. Like other actors and actresses should get to fucking vote. It shouldn't just be left up to a small group of people that aren't actors for the most part. Yeah. And like I the Oscars is like that. Like they have people from all over the industry, but but like what is the I don't know what the eligibility like to get into that is, right? Yeah, and it's still a small number. I like I stopped giving a shit about what these people say when that one Denzel movie won a bunch fences. Oh yeah. And then I watched it and I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? This thing's like won a bunch of fucking Oscars. This fucking movie right here. Like yeah. you can definitely tell that like a, a lot of the time some of these movies that win it's just like oh well it was so I don't know meta and it touched the mind and it's reflective of today's culture and it's like well that just because it's that doesn't make it a good movie yeah 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 award shows are well it's just weird well it's and it's just kind of like it's not indicative of like the greater population right like yeah It'll never cease to amaze me how a movie like Fences, for example, can have like come in with such a low earnings because it it wasn't even like widely released theatrically. No. So like it didn't make a bunch of money. Not a whole bunch of people saw it and it wins all these fucking Oscars. And then you get something like pick any Marvel's movie that's made over a billion dollars where like hundreds and hundreds of millions of people have seen it. And it's like well revered and like the consensus from both film critics and uh just your average like viewer are overwhelmingly positive and it doesn't even get any recognition at all yeah yeah and that's the fine line with the award shows right it's like do you want to get awarded based on your peers in the industry or do you want to get awarded based on like the people watching your movie like i don't know what the answer to that is but a uh, combination of both. Yeah. Or, yeah, is there some hybrid mixture? Or is there just a separate stupid award show based on your Texas vote in American Idol style? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving yeah. on. Game of Thrones vet. Indira Varma, which looks familiar, but I don't recall what character she played. She was um, Pedro Pascal's wife. In Thrones? Yeah. Yeah, still not. Can't picture in my head. Either way, she's joining the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yes. I am so fucking on board for this. So on board. I want them to focus more on Marvel. I am totally on board with their Star Wars TV stuff because it's been really good. And I think there is so much potential to do a really good Obi-Wan show. And adding her, like she she was great in Game of Thrones. So adding her is good news. And has me even more excited for this show. Well, I'm glad. I still haven't even seen a single episode of The Mandalorian. (sighs) Shit, it's really good. I haven't seen the, I've, even with the new Star Wars altogether, I saw the very first of the new Star Wars trilogy, and I saw Rogue One, and that's it. I never finished the trilogy, and I still haven't even seen, like, 
honestly, any of their other spinoffs. You've seen the two good ones. So I, I actually don't know that the other movies are worth watching. Fair enough. But their uh, their recent Disney Plus TV is uh, real good, and I'm I'm really excited for this series because I think it'll be good. I hope at least. But yeah, it's uh like, like I know we were talking about like how how we're starting to get real excited about uh, you know the Marvel stuff you know starting with WandaVision, right because it kind of came in and like blew your expectations up right yeah. That same thing happened to me with The Mandalorian, where it's like I went into it going like, eh, Star Wars is kind of burnt for me. And then I watched it and I was like, this really is fucking good. So it's like kind of, yeah, they're kind of repairing how they did it real dirty to the fans with the most recent movies. So Hmm. for Star Wars, not Marvel. Um, Well, I still intend on watching The Mandalorian. I just haven't got there yet. Yeah. And I'm probably a bigger Star Wars fan, too. So probably why i would reckon that's very true yeah so yeah but i think this is good news yeah then we got netflix buying liam neeson's latest action flick the ice road i wonder what that's gonna be about yeah um i thought he was done with these I thought so too, but I mean, if it makes you money, it makes you money, I guess. Yeah. Uh, last one he did, which was similar to this, where he was a snowplow driver in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching that one, and like I came out and was like, that wasn't very good. And it's yeah. Well, it says right here in the article: once the ice road and his upcoming assassin movie Memory are released. Ben Neeson claims he's done with the action genre for good. Okay. So, this one in memory. Those will be the last uh, action for Neeson. Yeah. So, what the tagline on this is like... Okay, it's like a remote diamond mine collapses, and he leads an impossible rescue mission over a frozen ocean. Is that, are you actually reading that somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Here's here's the line for the ice road. In the ice road, after a remote diamond mine collapses in the far northern regions of Canada, an ice driver, Liam Neeson, leads an impossible rescue mission over a frozen ocean to save the lives of the trapped miners despite thawing waters and a threat they never see coming. That sounds so That sounds so fucking dumb and right up my alley. I hope it's like passably good. Cuz that just sounds bad. I'm just oh. picturing Liam Neeson driving a semi truck, and there's like those really like loud bassy trailer noises, like going off, and then you see like the ice start to like slowly thaw, and okay, just so, looks like shit. So here's the thing about ice roads, and it's why I hated the show Ice Road Truckers so much. Yeah, because they pumped it up with all this like fake fucking intensity and bullshit like danger that's not fucking there. Well, As in some, reality, it's just like a road. As as someone who has literally driven ice roads before, it is not fucking exciting. Yes, it's a little nerve wracking because if ice breaks, your fucking rig's going under and that's yeah. not a good fucking feeling. So yeah, there's absolutely real and present danger, but it is actually incredibly fucking boring 
because in most situations, and I can't speak for all ice roads, but I know the ones that I've driven on, you can't drive fast on an ice road because if you come off it, what it does is it creates a wave right below where you're driving as you're rolling on the ice. So if you hit the brakes hard or you leave the ice, that wave will kind of stop and it'll come up and kind of like break the ice and can cause damage to the ice road. So when you actually drive an ice road, you like put her in fucking fifth gear, maybe fifth high, fifth low, depending on what you want. Yep. And you fucking have the cruise control on and you do a constant like anywhere from 20 to 40 kilometers an hour. That's it. You drive slow, you drive steady, you drive straight. That's it. Low speed, take your time, and then you're off the ice road. Yeah. So it's it's incredibly dull when you actually know what is happening and what you're doing. And that's why it always drives me nuts when I'd watch ice road truckers, especially because like some of the roads, they're like, with temperatures climbing in mid-February and this and that, this could be a dent. And I'm like, I've actually driven that fucking road. And I did fucking 25 kilometers on that ice road for like an hour and a half and then got to the other side. Yep. And it was fucking fine. Yep. But wait, Tyler, what if, now what if Liam Neeson was driving that truck? Still stupid. And the ice was melting. And then a threat that they never see coming, which I'm assuming is bad guys with guns. What if that happened? No, what if the threat that they never see coming is actually global warming? Oh, there you go. Guys, global warming's happening faster than we thought. We predicted we still had like 20 years, but we only actually have 20 hours to get (laughs) across this. No, either which way. It's Liam Neeson. I'll probably end up watching in passing, but there's no part of me that's like, God, I can't fucking wait for this. Yeah, pretty much. It's like it's a Liam Neeson action movie, so I'm going to check it out. But uh, am I like waiting in excitement for it? No. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Well, in other unrelated, not Chris or fucking Liam Neeson news, Hugh Grant, Sophia Lillis have joined Chris Pine in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah. With Hugh Grant taking up the bad guy role. Mm-hmm. So, the plot I'm... thickens on this one. Still don't know how I feel about it, but I mean... Yeah, and like, when we originally were talking about it, we were kind of like, you know, like if Chris Pine is signing on to this, you know, there's probably something to it, right? Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, so now if Hugh Grant is also coming on to it, like, he also... Like, he's no slouch. He's yeah, fucking he's, Grant. He's a fairly respected actor. You know, so, like, if he's coming on, like, are we quietly going to get a good Dungeons & Dragons movie? <laughs> I We might. I mean, I mean, still got to wait until, like, we get more details of the plot and maybe some, like, some teasers or something. But, I mean, it's shaping up to have real promise. Yeah. Yeah, and like it seems like they're still keeping the plot details under wraps because they're like, it's not known whether it's going to be like a straight up fantasy or like kind of incorporate people playing the game or anything yet. So, this is like one of those ones that like quietly comes together in pre production where like you're just like, huh. This could be good, right? Like, it's like one of those weird things where it's just like, I don't think we needed a Dungeons and Dragons movie. And the ones they've done have 
sure not been that good. And then you start to look at this coming together and you're like, that's quite the cast for a Dungeons and Dragons movie, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's, you've got some really good quality people signing on for a fucking Dungeons and Dragons movie. Like that shouldn't happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah. I'm curious, like, if we're kind of getting into the age of, like, a resurgence of the fantasy kind of genre, right? You know, because Game of Thrones kind of kicked it off, right? And I know like, I'd say Lord of the Rings was part of that long before Game of Thrones. Yeah, but then, like, Lord of the Rings, but then there was, like, no one really did much of it after that, right? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, like, fair. And now it's like Amazon's got that Lord of the Rings show coming out. You know, they also got that Wheel of Time thing. And it seems like there's a few more kind of like fantasy epic movies. Like, I wonder if we're going to see like a resurgence of it almost kind of like how sci-fi did, right? Oh, if there's money to be made, you bet everyone's going to try and cash in on that cow. Yeah. And like, I love the genre. So like, I'll take them as long as they're good. So. Me? Yeah. And then this is uh, a really weird fucking show at Apple TV. Yeah, this one sounds like something fucking else, that's for sure. Yeah, so Pedro Pasco, Nick Jonas, and Rosario Dawson are joining the cast of an Apple TV Plus show called Calls. And the whole premise is it follows nine people... It's nine short stories of people basically like on phone calls. Yeah. And it's not going to be shot like a TV show. It's just going to have like abstract visuals yeah. happening in the background as you hear their voices through these nine phone calls. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's a unique idea for sure. Like it's they're apparently like it's already been done like the, it's somewhere on a French television show. This is like already existed. But yeah, uh, this is coming out on March 19th. But like, yeah. so take a look at this cast, the whole cast that they have for it. Oh, I, yeah, I'm and looking at it. There's a like, bunch of people on here that are like, yeah, this is fucking Clancy Brown, here. Lily Collins, Rosario yep. Dawson, yep. Mark Duplass, Karen yep. Julian, yep. Judy Greer, yep. like Paul Walter Hauser. Uh, who else we got here? Stephen Lang, Pedro Pasco, Joey King, Audrey Plaza. Danny Puddy. Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Ben Schwartz. Yeah, like... Oh, that's a cast. Holy shit. That's a cast and a half. Like... Yeah, this is like a weird fucking... This reminds me of... uh, Like when they did that Bandersnatch TV show where it was just like... They decided to just do something weird and different, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think it worked out in that case. So like... I think it's really cool that, like, yeah, it's Apple TV, so who's going to watch it? But, like, I think it's cool that they're doing this, like, weird-ass fucking hybrid project. That's cool. Well, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm uh, I'm going to check out at least one episode, especially now that I have Apple TV subscription. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I got a year of it for free, so why not? <laughs> why not use it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably check it out, too, just because it's... Uh, I, I'll, I just want to see what it is. Like I like I like when networks and studios do like weird shit like this. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. It, do something different. Like don't just 
keep doing the average shit, right? Like, drop a little bit of money and take a risk and see if it works, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah. It's a weird, weird show as I was reading it. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's definitely, it's something different. So, I mean, that's, that's it has my curiosity. Because especially with an all-star voice cast like that, I'll I'll definitely yeah. I definitely want to see what it's all about. Yeah, me too. Like I'm thinking along the lines of Oh no, I'm drawing a blank. Give me some hands. It was it was an animated one. It had Keanu Reeves in it. It's called like Awakening or it was uh... And the whole thing, it was just voice actors. Okay. Oh, man. I have right. to look. I'm pretty sure Keanu Reeves was in it. It was a super bizarre, it was like a movie. And it was all animated, but like the whole thing was done in different types of animation. Oh. I thought like, okay, for some reason I'm confusing the one I'm thinking of with the scanner darkly. That's definitely not it. Okay. But it was called like Awaken or The Awakening or something like that. And it was, yeah, I, I don't know. It'll eventually come to me. Fair enough. Man, I'll be curious to check this out. Waking Life? Yep, that's it. Waking Life. Okay. Huh. It's actually on Disney+. Plus. So if you watch that, like... It's done in different animation styles as they tell like four different fucking stories. It's very, it's very deep and surreal. Like, I, I, I don't, I couldn't even give it an explanation that would do it any kind of justice. You just have to watch it, but okay. it was, it was very unique. Hmm. Maybe I'll and pick that's it up. Kind of what I'm thinking. Fair hmm. enough. Well, and, uh, on to other interesting stuff here. Bill Nye's getting another science show, this time on Peacock. Which, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like when I was a kid, I liked the original Bill Nye when he did his like reboot series on Netflix. I didn't care for it. It felt far too politically motivated. Yeah. So it threw me off. But yeah. I'm intrigued by the fact that Seth MacFarlane is producing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it goes back to just like actual good, interesting science without all the political propaganda being shoved in my face. Yeah, because that's when I enjoy those shows, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's like Show me the weird ass Google science spacey stuff and explain yeah. it to me as I'm a toddler. Right. You know, so it's if if they do that, right. I think this is the only decision Peacock has made that has been good. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Like, yeah. I mean, that that's a that's way too smart of a decision for Peacock. I don't know what intern ran in and suddenly got a vote but yeah mm-hmm. not but a whole lot you. on that no i'm with you i hope it's like not like it's just give me the science right yeah. like um was that netflix one with neil degrasse tyson i can't remember what it's called um, like the that, cosmos yeah but like that one was good because it was very much just like him explaining something right yeah you know and it's like that's all you need so yeah, much other to this other than hey Peacock's making a decent decision and in news I'm excited about 
Uh, so Amazon Prime's Bosch, which I really like that show. It's good. Never saw it. It's really good. It's really good. If you ever need a show on Amazon to check out, it's definitely definitely up there. Well, the Night Clerk is next on my Prime queue. Night Clerk. What, yeah. What's that one? Uh, I can't remember if it's Benedict Cumberbatch or fucking the guy who plays Loki. Oh, are you talking about the Night Manager with him and yes. uh, the dude from House? Yes. Oh, that is so good, man. Yeah, that's next on my Prime list. Yeah, definitely check that out. It's short, too. It's only like six episodes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, it's real good. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Bosch, and it's ending with its... Uh, it ended with its seventh season, um, which is going to air this summer. And apparently now they're doing a spin-off series with it on... I think we talked about this before. IMDB TV, which is like their... Amazon Prime's free ad-supported streaming thing, hmm. which I don't know why they just didn't do this on regular Prime. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, like what? Why? That's where the regular show is. Just put it there. Yeah. So that part is weird. Like, I really don't understand why they're. Doing that. I don't quite understand the logistics of it either, but. But I am happy we're getting more of that show. Because it's really good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Put the for that one. Yeah. Then we're getting a new HBO show about police corruption called We Own the City. Yeah. From the dude that did The Wire. Which makes me yeah. excited. See, now I'd be interested in this because, I mean, going back and watching The Wire a few years ago, it didn't hold up to the current times. For me. I, 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 I should specify for me because I know it's beloved by many, you included. Yes. But it was not that fucking great of a watch for me personally. Fair enough. So, yeah. this, this piques my interest. I honestly, I wish they would redo The Wire modern day like 2021 like this is how we fucking snake the bad guys off the street and you know the new technology for wiretapping and surveillance and getting yeah. cyber crimes and all that shit involved but right. do it in the wire fashion fucking right. sign me up yeah, yeah all I'd, over it i'd probably be down for that as much as like i would like i don't like fucking with something that was good but yeah i would be down for that I wouldn't consider it fucking with something that was good. It would be taking something that sucked and making it watchable. Hey. You know. Anyway. But this does sound intriguing. And I mean, it's fucking... uh, Anything about, like, police or murder, mystery, suspense, any of that kind of shit, and you mix HBO into the mix, and I'm there. Yep. And it seems like this is based on um, a journalist's book. Like I'm thinking, this is maybe like some reporter did like a deep dive on it mm-hmm. in one of the cities. So that even makes it like cooler um, because it's like maybe true stories, right? So, yeah, this is cool. I'm uh, like you said, anything crime, crime related in HBO, everyone should know we are already gonna watch it. So you almost don't even need to tell us. Yeah, pretty much. 
thumbs oh, it up right there. Yeah, we'll check it out regardless. So, yeah, this is cool. And then we've got Steven Spielberg and the Duffer Brothers who do uh, Stranger Things are doing a Stephen King show for Netflix. I think this is going to cause a little bit of a riff with Spielberg and his fucking buddy, Mr. Lucas. What do you mean? Well, because Lucas has been outspoken on fucking like movies and television shows don't belong on Netflix and they shouldn't be considered for awards. Oh, and here they are. His best buddy, Steven Spielberg doing a fucking Netflix show movie. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. That would cause a riff. Well, I mean, certainly Spielberg would want it to be considered for, you know, awards contentions. Oh, yeah, you would think, yeah. So do you think they sit down for coffee one day as they're catching up because they're buds and Spielberg is like, yeah, uh, it sounds like we're going to get nominated for the next Golden Globes. And you think Lucas looks over and goes, well, you fucking shouldn't be because you're on Netflix. I'm also curious if, like, Lucas has changed his mentality on that. That was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So, like, I'd be curious if now that he's seen some of the stuff that comes out of streaming, if he still I, has that mentality. Because I, I think it is almost impossible to make that argument now. I bet if it's, I bet it would have nothing to do with the what he's actually seen. I think now, like, seeing people like Spielberg and Sorkin, Scorsese, yeah, all these big time, like, top tier writers and directors doing movies and series for streaming services. I bet it'd be like, okay, well, these are my fucking top tier peers, guys that are next level. Yeah. So I don't really have a leg to stand on anymore. Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, this, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. This is cool. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad we're getting more Stephen King adaptions. Like, it's nice to actually be getting more of them, right? Mm-hmm. Because when they're done good, they're good, right? I mean few weeks ago we were talking about you know the stand like that was really good so it's trying to I, I haven't read this one so i'm just trying to skim the article here to see what the tagline is well it's okay just, it's exciting in itself that like spielberg and the duffer brothers are doing stephen king yeah and so this is probably why they got them so the i guess the kind of tagline here is focuses on jack sawyer a 12 year old boy that sits off on a quest to save all to save his dying mother. And he's searching for the tailspin, which is a powerful relic that can save his mother. And then he crosses realities during his journeys. So I think this is... They got the right people, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Stranger Things is about kids that age crossing realities, right? You know, Spielberg yeah. did E.T., you know. So it's... If you're going to do that Stephen King story, you probably got the right people. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if this is like kind of a Stephen King like type story, but done in the vein of like Stranger Things, sign me right the fuck up. Yeah, no kidding. Right? Like that's a no brainer. Right? Like here, here's my money, Netflix. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I'm I'm all in on that one too. It sounds very interesting. I like Stranger Things. I think the Duffer Brothers did a fantastic job with that show. It's nice to see them branching out and doing other like big stuff. Yeah. And to like Nat Spielberg. I mean, obviously there's something to what they've gotten so far as in terms of like a 
an idea and a vision for this project so yeah and who knows like how much spielberg is involved like maybe he's just doing kind of a few things here and there right Mm -hmm. i'd be curious to know how involved he is but yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think that's a lot of news we have yeah it was a pretty short news week yeah you watch some stuff. Yeah, not a whole lot. I uh, I watched Cocaine Cowboys just because I'm still on my like kick of like crime documentaries, and I've always heard about it, but never actually watched it. So, okay. so it was interesting. I mean, it's just like wild, like how Miami was basically like a retirement home, and then all these people back in like the 70s and 80s realized that's how it was easily accessible for other countries to get drugs there, and how it went from being just like a sleepy old person place to like the drug capital of the world. And I mean. By all accounts, I believe it probably still is. Oh yeah, like they're they're talking about you know flying to Colombia and Cuba and picking up drugs and like how they were getting them back into the United States and like at one point they were hauling boats with like hundreds of pounds, like thousands of kilograms of fucking yep. marijuana in bales. Yep. So much so that like the cost of marijuana, like so much marijuana was coming in that like the street value of marijuana substantially decreased and it wasn't even worth a trip to smuggle this stuff in unless you brought in like thousands of fucking kilograms of it yeah because it was just flooded with it right yeah and then then it kind of like highlights a few other people and they were like working relationship with basically like the medellin cartel like pablo escobar's group of people and it's just all wild all fucking wild and like i listen to joe rogan from time to time and he brings that up periodically because of like in there they talk about corruption as well and there was like one class um of police officers where the entire graduating class of whatever that year was Mm -hmm. they were either and this is every single person in this graduating class either was later on arrested for corruption and drug smuggling or was killed the entire graduating class yeah that's pretty insane yeah so like it's it's a pretty wild story and there's like a cocaine cowboys reloaded like a newer version so like that's okay. on my list of things to see okay but hmm. the more impressive one was the silk road okay yeah so i'm assuming they talk about the silk road website yeah so like this all stemmed from uh i can't remember the guy's name it's like miller tiller or something tiller <sighs> i have to look because I, I feel like i'm i'm Butchering it's like, it. it was like a journalist that did, like did a piece on it or something. Uh, he's not a journalist. He's a he's a like documentary filmmaker. Right. So he did um uh the five seven. Okay. Yep. Taylor Russell. That's his name. Okay. So he did uh the five seven, which was an amazing docu series about all the corruption at the Brooklyn Police Department. Yep. He also did. Um, that newest, the Night Stalker on Netflix, that was his as well. Okay. And he also did one, which is next on my list to watch called Project Odessa, which is about a Russian mafia member and a Cuban dude and another guy basically rip off a cartel for like $30 million or something like that. It's probably not a good idea. No, probably not. So he wants to do a documentary about the silk road and i as far as i could tell from like his interview that i listened to he still plans on doing an actual documentary but he had a script like how he wanted to do the documentary and i guess it got 
some like popularity and they decided to just turn this one straight into a movie first. Okay. So he like wrote this movie and it's just interesting because it tells the story of Ross Ulbrich, right? The infamous creator of the Silk Road. Yep. But it's so it's like a true story. So there's a couple things that they like tweaked for the movie because like in real life, the two cops that kind of brought him down were both kind of like corrupt and had some problems. And in the movie, they merge him into one character. Uh, but it, okay. But aside from that, the movie is like a pretty accurate retelling of like everything that actually went down. And while Ross was like creating the Silk Road, he made forum posts on the Silk Road as the creator, but he also kept like a digital journal uh, of okay. like everything that he wasn't posting on the forums of like his thought process and why he was doing this and how things were going and stuff. Oh, that's kind of cool. So throughout the movie, I can't remember the actor's name who plays Ross in the movie throughout the movie. He does narrations. And every time you hear him do a narration, those like little blurbs of speech are line for line, word for word pulled from either his diary or his, Silk Road forum post. Oh shit, that's cool. Yeah, and they like he even went as far as um, Ross's girlfriend, like girlfriend at the time that he was making the Silk Road. He actually got her on the film as a consultant to make oh, sure shit. that like they kept things fucking square and level with how they were doing everything. Oh shit, that's cool. Yeah. So like I don't know if you, if you're not familiar with like the story of Ross Ulbrich, he basically is like a. a He's an incredibly brilliant young kid who always dreamed of like changing the world, but he's also a very staunch libertarian. So like wants less government control and then just kind of one day realized that like, why isn't there an eBay for drugs basically? Yep. So he taught himself how to program and he made a website and he put it on the dark web and ran it through some browsers and basically made the silk road Yeah. and was making like, a lot. $90,000 a day in Bitcoin? Yeah. It was the interview with uh, Tiller Russell there on Joe Rogan. They talked about how much Bitcoin, like cryptocurrency, was on his laptop when they confiscated it, when they arrested him. It's a disgusting amount. I don't remember the exact number of coins he had, but they quickly like did a, like, okay, if he had this many coins, today it is worth X amount. And basically the amount, and this is just what he had on his laptop. Like, who knows what else he has elsewhere, like in other cold storage means or whatever. Yep. But just the amount that was on his laptop, like $3.5 billion yep. in Bitcoin just sitting on his laptop. Yep. In in today's value. Yep. Yeah, but back the whole, then it would have been still worth quite a bit too. But yeah, well, like even at one point in the movie, they're like, oh, wow, you're getting this much Bitcoin per transaction. And they like break it down. They're like, dude, that's $90,000 a day. Like... That's one point something million dollars a week. Yep. Or it might have even been more than that. It was like eight hundred and ninety dollars like every fucking minute or something. Yep. It was it was absolutely wild. But like the whole story is just wild, like the rise and fall and you'd have to watch it. But like it's got some I can't remember the dude's name who plays the fucking bad guy. You would recognize him if you saw him. Um up here. He reminds me of Quentin Tarantino. What is his name? Oh, um, yep. Jason Clark. Yes. I, yep. Yeah. Cool. So he plays like the cop that's trying to bring Ross down. 
Right. And then they also got the guy who played Richard Jewell is in oh. here as one of like the other like drug dealers that Ross ends up partnering with. Because like if you don't know the story, basically how this all comes to a fucking head is he creates the Silk Road, ends up befriending this guy on the Silk Road forums named Chronic Pain, who is selling mushrooms on the forum. And they kind of like become like online friends. And then at some point, Chronic Pain kind of like disappears or something happens where Ross starts to think that Chronic Pain is going to narc him out because he learns some information about like Ross personally. And Ross doesn't want to get busted. So he mm -hmm. ends up hiring a hitman to kill this other dude, his partner, or this Chronic Pain guy. Right. And then the FBI, like, get involved and they, like, tell this dude, like, hey, he's got a hit out on you. So they, like, fake his death and, like, post fake pictures that he actually was murdered. No and, like, shit. that's kind of how they end up, like, all of that all culminates to him getting caught. And that's where his biggest, like, chart, I think he's serving, like, two life sentences with no possibility of parole or something. No, oh, wow. And a lot of that charges and stuff were, like, for him, you know, allegedly hiring someone to kill this other dude. Right. He claims to this day that he never hired anybody of to course. try and kill this dude. Yeah. And that this was all like an FBI or like who FBI or DEA, whichever it was, I can't remember now, but this was all set up by them, which is all super interesting because by all accounts, like the two primary dudes who are involved with like taking him down and stuff, like they have checkered pasts and one of them at some point stole some of the Bitcoin, I believe. Oh, like I, really? They don't really go into all the details of that in this movie because, I mean, it's just a 90-minute movie. Right. But I'm hoping, like, when he does the actual documentary series on this that he addresses it. It's, all of this you'll be able to find online. But, like, yep. there's just a lot of, like, wild shit involved. But, like, the movie was just... It was crazy. Yeah. And it makes me really, like, that's why this Project Odessa is the next on my list. Because, right. like, not to get, like, too off-topic here, but when he was talking to Joe Rogan... The way he got in touch with this story to make this Project Odessa, and this is so fucking wild, and this is where I was like, yeah, I'm sold, is, uh, and I'm going to like probably butcher how some of this conversation went, but the gist of it was shortly after or during filming the 7-5, mm -hmm. someone contacted him and was like, hey man, I know this dude, he's a fucking Russian mobster, his name's Tarzan, and him and two other dudes stole like 20 or 30 million dollars from a cartel and i have his number do you want it he was like absolutely so he gets this guy's number and starts and like calls him yeah. and the guy answers he somehow has a blackberry on him but he's sitting in a panamanian prison what yeah so this tarzan guy says yeah i'll tell you the story but you got to come meet me i'm in this jail in fucking panama so he fucking packs up some guys some cameras and they fly down to panama to go meet this guy. They meet with Tarzan's lawyer outside the prison thinking like, oh, they'll do like a visitation thing. Yep. But it's Panama. So it's not like a normal prison. Yep. So the lawyer tells him, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go up. We're going to bribe the guard. We're going to give him a hundred bucks. He's going to open the gate to the prison. And you're going to get in and you're going to run. You're going to run from this side all the way across the yard where all the other criminals are to the other side of the yard where you'll see a big like gated door push on the door it'll open on the other side will be tarzan fuck yeah so he was like well fuck i came so far i'm gonna do it so he gives the, the guard 50 bucks says i'll give you the other 50 when you let me out of here Smart. 
Guard right. unlocks, runs to the other side, pushes through this gate. There's Tarzan. Apparently, they were sending emails back and forth, and the uh, Russian mob or mafia found out that Tarzan was talking to this guy, so they told him, shut the fuck up or we're going to kill you. Okay. So, he, so he tells he tells Russell Tiller Russell that, like, hey, I can't tell you the story because someone found out and they're threatening to kill me. So he was pissed off and, like, they get into an argument inside the fucking prison and he ends up like running to the other side, leaving five years later, he gets an email that says jailbreak and it's from Tarzan and he gets a number calls him. Tarzan goes, Hey, I broke out of the Panamanian jail. I made my way to Cuba on a boat and then I flew back to Russia. So if you want to hear the story, come meet me in Moscow. Okay. So he gets a bunch of money together, flies to Moscow, meets Tarzan. Tarzan starts telling him the story. There's two other guys involved. He ends up talking to one of them. But the most interesting character is like this Cuban like con artist that was part of this whole thing. And he's the one who actually got all the money. And he wants to talk to this guy, but no one knows where he is. I guess for years and years, he's been on the run. We're like moving country to country regularly. And like right. changing his name, his passport, his credentials, like every few fucking months. He's like uh. on the FBI's like hundred most wanted list, and there's like a million dollar reward for his capture. Uh. And as and this guy is like so cocky and arrogant about him like evading the police that every time he would move to a new country, he would send a postcard from the previous country he was living in to the FBI saying, like, haha, fuck you, moving on. Nice. Yeah. So he's huh. trying to get all he wants to get a hold of this guy, but no one can get a hold of him because like not even the FBI can find him. Right. And then he's almost done doing his interviews with Moscow over like the span of a week or something, and he gets a phone call and the guy says, Hey, I'm so and so. I'm the other one. I heard you're doing a documentary. If you want to meet, be on a plane, come to Africa tomorrow, meet me at this hotel. Huh. So he fucking gets some more money together. He flies to Africa, goes to this hotel, they tell him to check into a room. He checks into his room and like he's according to him within minutes of being in the room, the phone rings and some guy says, meet me downstairs in five minutes. You'll see a blue or a yellow Lamborghini get inside. So he goes downstairs, Lamborghini pulls up, he gets in and it's this dude that's been on the run from the FBI, like the other big fucking swindler in this whole escapade. Huh? Takes him to like a, like a secret hidden airfield where he's got like a private jet, takes him inside and sits him down. He's got a, bag with like 20 million dollars in cash in this plane as his like escape plan and right. sits him down in this jet and tells him his side of the story huh and that's how that's is, how he that's how it, he made the documentary operation odessa is this out yeah it's actually on netflix right now oh shit okay um that just sounds fucking ridiculous right and i i, I yeah I think that's one of those ones where it's like, it just sounds so ridiculous that you got to watch it. Well, and then like the five, seven was like a mini series, like a documentary mini series. This one right. is like an hour and a half long documentary movie. Okay. But he said the story is so wild that after he made the documentary, like different like studios approached him and they're actually in the process of turning it into like a Hollywood movie right now. That's good for him. Mm hmm. So super interesting because like I don't know if did you ever watch the five seven? Um, 
don't remember. It sounds familiar. Like it if sounds you, like something I've watched, but I I can't definitively remember. If you had, you should, because it's all about these. Primarily, this one cop in Brooklyn who ends up like joining the police force force and he wants to do good and shit and like his very first day gets exposed to like some corruption from other police and then ends up becoming just like a super duper corrupt cop like right stealing from drug dealers shaking down drug dealers stealing money from crime scenes like all this crazy wild shit eventually he gets fucking busted and ends up serving like 10 years in prison right hmm. i'll have to look into that yeah part of me says you haven't seen the five seven you should uh, part of me like remembers watching a very similar documentary about like a dirty cop. So I like I'm, I probably have watched it, but it's probably been long enough that I should rewatch it. Well, and that was my first exposure to this dude. Like I saw that one, and then he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I was like, "Oh, I love that movie." So then he starts talking about the Silk Road, which is something like I saw a trailer for, and I'm like, "Ooh, I do want to watch that movie." So I listened to the whole podcast, and then he starts talking about fucking project odessa and like how he met all these different people and how he got the interviews that he got and like these wild stories and i'm like yep everything this guy does is in my wheelhouse and he's like oh yeah i just finished doing like night stalkers on netflix now i'm like oh i actually really enjoyed that yeah night stalkers was good yeah so i'm like man everything i've seen so far that he's done i've really enjoyed so i'm definitely going to check out project odessa now yeah it seems like i should check out his other stuff i probably will now that sounds rad as fuck yeah so anyway a little off topic but that was uh how i got onto the silk road and it was a good movie and i can't wait for like a legit docuseries done by him yeah yeah that'll be good yeah what i didn't really watch anything like i said i've been setting up home theater stuff so the stuff i have been watching is just old stuff that i can now watch with really nice video and Mm -hmm. audio so but other than like I've been uh, keeping up with that for all mankind season two. Oh yeah. That, that seems to be ramping up to get, uh, get some more good. Um, where there's kind of going to be some like maybe space combat, which I'm excited for. Mm. So, yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, then maybe we should just end her on that note. Sounds good to me. All right. I will catch you on the next one. Later.